0: Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to ELI, the place where you get your daily dose of inspiration for entrepreneurship. And today we have with us uh, Ms. Deval Daliwalla, De- uh, who is the co-founder of Get Setup, uh, which is a technology company dedicated to empowering older adults uh, through learning and services. Uh, hi, Deval. Welcome to ELI.
1: Hi. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: I, I would request you to introduce yourself to our audience, please.
1: Hi, uh, my name is Deval Deliwala. I'm based in uh, Mumbai in India, and I'm one of the co-founders of Get Setup. Um, Get Up is uh, on a mission to help those over 55 uh, learn new skills, connect with each other, and unlock life experiences. So we're a platform and community for older adults by older adults, uh, and we connect them on our platform through classes and experiences.
0: Okay. Uh, Tell us a bit more about, uh, you know, your uh, target audience base, which countries are they from, uh, and what is the demographics there? Uh, Even in that age group, there would be subcategories. So tell us more about them.
1: Yeah, so our platform is uh, built for those who are over 55. Um, you know to date uh, globally we have roughly 4.6 million older adults in 160 countries that have you know um been a part of our platform and community online um Of these, uh, you know, 4.6 million older adults that have sort of consumed either our classes to stay physically fit or learn a tech skill or, uh, you know, even share their own experiences, right? Because it's a peer-to-peer learning platform. So everybody who teaches on our platform is also an older adult. Uh, We believe that, you know, older adults have a wealth of information and uh, that they can share uh, once they sort of unlock that digital uh, you know, divide where if they learn how to use the tools, they can come online and teach anything. Um, our audience is uh, in India specifically we have roughly a little over 2 million older adults that have accessed our platform. Our classes are available in 160 countries. Like I said, you can you know watch and learn and participate in our community and classes from anywhere in the world. Uh, but largely we are focused on three main languages, uh, th- four main languages today, English, um, uh, Hindi, and then you know outside India focused a lot on Spanish and Mandarin as well. Um, and the idea is, you know, our classes are designed for them, uh, for older adults, um, keeping that in mind where it's a, we create this environment, which is judgment free, um, free of pressure. You know, if a young person is actually teaching a class to an older adult, there might be some gaps because, you know, we all grew up with technology, right. But when an older adult teaches an older adult, you know, the pace is matched. Uh, there's no judgment. There's no fear of asking questions. Mm. Uh, so it makes it a friendly
0: environment for them to learn in and... got you uh, when you say classes uh, uh, you you told about fitness but are there any other categories like you know skilling and all
1: yeah, so actually, um, we have a catalog of over 4000 classes, we broadly split it into four categories. So the first category is uh, tech classes, and tech classes are broadly, you know, anything that any helps them learn different apps, like ordering groceries online, learning how to do mobile banking, and things like that, all the way to Word, Excel, email, and things like that, the productivity tools that you and I probably use every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's comprises our tech classes including how to set up your apple device or a new tablet and things like that the second category of classes is in health and health is mental health and physical health so in physical health we do a lot of classes around strength training for seniors or uh, yoga like you know chair yoga for seniors and things like that getting ready for a marathon or uh, you know mm. things like that and then on the mental health side a lot of classes for them to you know they're usually a caretaker for st- maybe their spouse is unwell. So, you know, um, caring for a loved one, it could be dealing with loneliness. It could be dealing with aging, right? So a lot of classes around them discussing their mental health issues in a safe community environment. The third type of classes that we do are largely around enrichment. And by enrichment, I mean things like hobbies, right? Uh, We ask them what they would like to learn. Um, So we are singing, dancing, languages, um, uh, a lot of classes on them sharing their travel experiences uh, anything that's really crafts the art you know arts or painting and things like that games and stuff like that. So a lot of enrichment and then the last and the fourth category of classes is what we call social hours social hours is basically anyone can come and share anything right so let's say my grandma makes a really good um, you know dal recipe uh, she can come and you know we'll help her set up that class and set it up for her but she can come and share that or let's say some member of a community took a trip to Spain and they want to come and share that with others on the platform they can do that or they have gardening as a hobby they can come and talk about that so the Mm -hmm. fourth category is just them being able to sort of uh, connect with each other but most of our classes are largely in these uh, four categories
0: Got you. Uh, What about the mode of delivery? Is it all online app based or is there a physical element to it?
1: Yeah, so a lot of the classes, per se, where you're learning something are all online. They're live classes, which are all online. Um, and uh, we have an app as well. We have an Android app. Uh, and, you know, um, obviously, they learn through the browser as well. We've kind of built our own platform on top of uh, Zoom. So uh, we made it very easy. So if you actually see our website, they can easily access our platform with one click. It's very, very simple. Um, And then in India over the last you know eight to ten months we've started doing designing a lot of offline experiences as well because uh, we started obviously bang in the middle of the pandemic and when we talk to our learners now they've gotten so comfortable meeting each other online that they want to meet in the offline world as well so we give them opportunities to meet offline through events so let's say you were taking singing classes for a year then we'll organize like a concert where you can come and sing you know in front of your peers on stage Uh, so and that's validation plus it allows you to connect with people who love singing uh, and it becomes a really good experience for you so Mm. that's really how we've um, you know designed some of the offline experiences we do day trips and day events uh, for seniors as well
0: Mm. got you so one one fundamental question here and i'm really curious to know your answer on this uh, the uh, so uh, learning happens at a very early age uh, and the reason being uh, when you are a child you do not have any perspective of the world and hence you do not have any biases about the world but when you have learned everything uh, multiple times and you, you are of uh, 55 years of age you know a, a lot of things and uh, that also makes you a little averse to learning and uh, there the, the, there is a Uh, you know tendency to you know think that uh, yes I have known many things over my life so do I really need to learn a new thing what's the what's new to learn so uh, that that's a bias in almost every you know senior citizen Uh, uh, just want to hear your point of view on you know are the older age groups are they open to learning new things
1: Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Actually, Um, you know, I won't comment on you know younger kids like and their aptitude to learn, Um, but I'll give you my uh, my my version of it. I think the way I see it, when you're a child, obviously you're open and you're absorbing a lot more, but you're kind of you know if you remember school, right? Mm-hmm. At some point, uh, you know, you're going to school because your parents made that decision for you, right? Uh, then you start go- same college, you're going so that you can earn money. After college, when you're at work, ed tech companies come in and they put all these learning platforms to you and you're doing that because uh, it's helping you advance in your career. I think once you're 55, you've kind of seen it all, right? And so you're really learning because you want to learn, uh, you're learning because, you know, there was something that you didn't learn all these years or something that will help you, right? So I think we actually think it's the opposite. So we as a company, our mission is lifelong learning uh, and, you know, we call it active aging, right? Um, there's something called social determinants of health, which means that we're all going to live really long and we will live a really long life in a really good way if you're physically and mentally active, Mm. And the way to stay physically and mentally active, and there's a lot of, you know, lifelong learning institutes and a lot of research that has been published on this, is that you keep learning, learning never stops, right? Uh, So we actually see, and obviously, this is, you know, we're just two years in, so obviously, we are attracting the sort of, I would call early adopters and people who... uh, but uh, I think they they have a great aptitude for learning. I'll give you an example. We asked our learners what language they would like to learn in India online. And a lot of people said Sanskrit and a lot of people said Spanish. And they were like, oh, because if we travel outside, you know, we want to be able to say a few words in another language. So I think it's hmm. intriguing that A lot of people wrote in saying, I want to learn a classical dance form that I wanted to learn as a kid, but I didn't get to learn it, right? So I actually think it's not true. I think it's changing. I think the aptitude for lifelong learning is there. The Mm. second thing is, you know, it's a peer-to-peer learning environment. And so when you see people like you, around you doing cool things with their life, right? Mm. uh, You get inspired instantly, right? So somebody who's in their 70s, runs a marathon, you'll feel like, oh, even I can do that. Or if somebody is learning, it's like, oh, why didn't I think of taking a piano class? So I think part of it is also the peer-to-peer really inspires them to motivate each other saying, so what if I'm 70? So what if I'm 75? Learning doesn't stop. So While you may be right, like in obviously, you know, at all age groups, right, it's it's really not your age. It's how old you feel, like they say, right. I feel that uh, lifelong learning is, you know, something that we stand for. And that's kind of our mission. And we make it very interesting for them to come and feel like, oh, I didn't know that I even had this. So a lot of our learners, actually, when they first take classes on our platform, they just sort of checking it out and and then they get really intrigued by one topic and they're like oh i didn't know i had it in me to sing or i didn't know i had it in me so yeah that's how i feel but yeah the common wisdom says that you know learning is usually for younger people but we actually think that lifelong learning is a is definitely uh something that's keeping all of them back coming keep coming back on the platform
0: got you uh now um would would like to understand why did you choose to become an entrepreneur what was your trigger or motivation behind it
1: yeah that's a good question um i actually so my my uh, you know my dad's an entrepreneur um you know he started a business in india back in the 80s uh, with very little uh, and I've grown up seeing him as we all have you know we've all seen our parents sort of you know struggle uh, in the 70s and 80s and 90s mm-hmm. um so I've kind of seen that uh, so it was always there at the back of my head that I wanted to do something but I wasn't sure um and I wasn't confident and so prior to get set up I actually um uh you know I'm I kind of the last 10 or 15 years I've always been in at startups mm-hmm. um and prior to get set up I was at um another startup where I was one of the first 20 people and kind of saw it from, you know, ground zero, day zero, and it grew grew pretty big over the eight years that I was there. And so once you've seen that, you know, that sort of you, you feel like you can make it happen. Um, and so that was somewhere at the back of my mind. And I've been, you know, involved with startups, either advising or helping uh, for some time now. Uh, And then when I met Neil, uh, who's a founder and CEO of Get Set Up, he just started Get Set Up, you know, when I met him. And uh, I really liked the idea. And I genuinely believe there is a need and no one solving, waking up solving this every day. So I got excited. Uh, But uh, yeah, I think building things really excites me. um, And uh, making a difference. I do think that, and I know everyone says it, but I think when you're working and it doesn't have to be, a startup it doesn't it can be something very small but i think when it creates an impact is what excites me personally so i've always been sort of drawn to uh, the startup side of life
0: Uh, how were the initial days uh, when you joined your founder and you know what were some of the first few things that that you did uh, um, while building this venture
1: yeah i think um a couple of things so we started get set up like in January of 2020 uh, late Mm -hmm. Jan and then the pandemic hit right so we pretty quickly learned all the things you know as many people uh, all over the world Mm -hmm. we quickly had to pivot a lot of things that we were doing suddenly everything went remote and I think so one thing that we learned is you know building a company remote right so I would hire people but I wouldn't I hadn't met them in like a year and things which is very different from how we were used to doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, So I think going remote was definitely one of the first things that uh, I learned and you know how to build a company while you're sort of going remote uh, as I'm sure as many people have. I think the second thing which was challenging I wouldn't say it's challenging but it's the problem that we've picked right with everything else Uh, you can sort of uh, you know the audience right you can target Mm. on social media it goes viral things like that I think with this audience a lot of it is trust building they have to trust you they have to really like you Uh, you know I usually use this example in my previous startup Uh, you know if you referred a friend you would get a free something and to get that free something you would refer a friend right but older adults don't care for that they don't care for or getting free stuff, they have to love your product, and mm-hmm. so I think that was a big change for me in the early days where we were trying to grow. We grew rapidly because of word of mouth, but building that trust and building that was I wouldn't say it's challenging, but it was a different, it was different for me because I've never built for uh, you know, actually, most people haven't built for this audience, at least startups mm-hmm. haven't built for this audience, so there's no standard playbook that you could apply, uh, you know, directly.
0: And what were some of the uh, challenges, some of the biggest challenges that you faced while uh, building and growing this venture?
1: Yeah, I think a uh, couple of things. So in India, uh, you know, I think older adults are very familiar with WhatsApp. Um, So initially mm. we were, like, oh, we'll do email marketing or we'll do, you know, Facebook marketing or we'll do uh, different CRM tools and stuff. And then we realized that they're already on WhatsApp, right? Why mm. not build where they are? So instead of sending them alerts about things on classes, you know, on different platforms, we started building on WhatsApp. Uh, similarly on, you know, um, uh, even on Facebook, they, this audience is still very active on Facebook, right? So while other companies or, you know, startups may not use Facebook groups as extensively, we started using a lot of Facebook groups to kind of get people into classes. Um, And then the third thing is we gave away our con- a lot of our content content um, you know, so initially it was like, oh, we'll put it on YouTube, but then we were like, no, let's put it on Facebook because this audience is on Facebook. If they like the content, they'll come, and that's kind of what started happening. They started forwarding it to each other, joining the classes, writing to us, um, and so you know, in other startups, you optimize for the funnel where uh, you don't want to offer a lot of support, right? Everything is self sign up. You never talk to customer support. I get set up is actually reverse. So if you say, hey, I'm interested in joining, we actually will call you and we'll have a proper onboarding session for you where somebody will talk to you from customer support or do a video call with you to help you set up through the the class, right? Um, Because you want to make sure that, you know, uh, you're supported through that process and you don't get overwhelmed by the, you know, by signing up or registering for something. So I think it's a little different in that. So we don't measure, you know, things like support, we won't measure it as, uh, you know, how quickly is somebody able to find their answer online? We measure it as what is the success rate of them being able to get into a class. So th- it's a little different where it's not trans- as transactional. Um, you know, we spend a lot of time onboarding the user onto the platform. And once they're on, they're very comfortable and they they pick it up pretty quickly. Right
0: uh, you spoke about hiring, uh, uh, about remote hiring and, you know, um, would like to know um, a few details from you like uh, which all platforms do you hire from how how do you go about hiring process what are the processes involved uh, in selection of the candidate and this is one industry where you know uh, it's not a well-defined industry like telecom or you know SaaS so how do you find the right candidates who have maybe prior experience or slight orientation towards uh, uh, what you are doing
1: yeah that's a great question actually that helps us uh, because we're largely a mission driven startup right not uh, like i always say not any not every 20 30 year old wakes up every day thinking i'm going to solve a problem for older adults right mm. so we naturally attract a lot of people that were either looking for a solution for somebody in their family or they were looking to build something in the senior care space so we've been fortunate where a lot of people that we've gotten as some of our best employees have actually come from, uh, you know, they've come from actually researching about the sector or reading up about us. Um, so that's one, and that naturally filters a lot of people because you know it's people who will come to you will be people who are mission aligned. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the second thing we've been very fortunate. So my co-founders Neil and Lawrence, um, have you know. Uh, They've been in the startup world for the Lawrence has been the early employee at Yahoo. Neil has built education startups for the last 20 years. And so it's been interesting because they have between the three of us, we have a pretty large network. And we were able to sort of, you know, reach out to people that we may have worked with in the in the past and bring them into the fold as well. Um, so, yeah, I think largely our team has, you know, built through personal networks and then people discovering us. So they read about us, they get excited, and they write to us. And then as we have a role, we sort of, you know. Um, I think on the hiring front, from a process standpoint, um we kind of speak to everyone, we get them excited about what we do and see if they are excited about what we do because, Mm -hmm. you know, as you know, startups are not a, it's not uh, easy. It doesn't get built overnight. And so to be really passionate about kind of what we are solving for because the problems can change every day, right? But as long as you're passionate about the mission. So I think we, we filter for that heavily uh, when we interview as part of the interview process. and then depending on the role, we have, you know, an exercise or something like that they have to do um, so that we can uh, figure that. And then if somebody's in customer support, we'll either make them talk to somebody from a community or record a loom or something like that just to see how they would explain something difficult to an older adult. Uh, are they able to simplify it and things like that. Uh, but those are some standard processes we use um, in filtering for people
0: got you uh, i forgot to ask can you can you tell us a little bit about the um, revenue model like um, at the end of the day we are uh, ventures and we have to m- make money to survive so how what are the different streams of revenue that you have
1: yeah so that's a great question so we have to uh, you know we like to call ourselves a b2b to c uh, company so the model really depends on you know which country so i'll give you an example in the us as an example, uh, uh, you know, um, our we have partnerships with state governments and you know um, companies that have a large population of older adults that they're looking to engage. So, for example, if and every time that person takes a class or uses a service, we get paid from that person uh, from that entity. So it's free to the end user, but you know the sort of business will pay us for it. Uh, in India as well, we have two approaches. One is the B2B2C where, you know, we recently announced a partnership with a financial institution. So they want to improve financial literacy amongst older adults and they pay us to create content and engage older adults and teach them certain concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the consumer side in India, we've done, like I said, you know, we do a lot of uh, events we do a lot of like in-person engagements and online engagements, and you can buy tickets. Like it's everything has a price, like piecemeal, like whatever you like. Uh, And so consumers kind of pay for it that way. Got
0: you. Any pivots that you have uh, done to your uh, overall model?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say pivot in a big way, but I think uh, one sort of change um, has been sort of, you know, as we started during the pandemic, as you can imagine, uh, we were largely online. India had the longest lockdown, right? So a lot of our community members wrote to us saying, can we? Can you do things offline? Can you organize things offline for us? So we've started doing that over the last you know, eight, eight to 10 months. And that's been a pretty big success. So we do trips. We do, uh, so we organize curated experiences for seniors. And I, I don't think it's a pivot naturally, but it's an extension of kind of... Um, it's it's an extension of uh, what we do uh, the other big change which is not really a pivot but it's a you know it's an interesting learning and this goes back to your earlier question about uh, you know do older adults want to learn so when we started classes outside india and in india we used to keep the two separate so if you came to the india website you would only see Indian classes if you went to the US website you'd only see US classes Mm -hmm. but somehow the learners in both the countries discovered that hey there are these cool yoga classes happening in India which I want to attend and the other way around right Mm -hmm. there were these fitness classes that were happening in the US that the Indian learners wanted and so they're like why can't you open it up to everyone and so then we now if you go to the website you'll see classes from both countries and we see a lot of Indians actually attending American classes a lot of Americans attending Indian classes because they're interested in you know cooking and Bollywood dance and yoga and things like that and Mm -hmm. we see a lot of Indians you know attending classes in the U.S. and so it's it's been interesting to see it's not really a pivot but it's interesting to see that they want to make friends in other countries even at that age and learn about each other's cultures which I thought was pretty fascinating so it's not a pivot but we made that change so that they can kind of see content from all
0: countries. Uh, What would you say is the meaning of entrepreneurship for you? And uh, this is probably uh, last. And I just have one more question after that. Uh, How would you define the term entrepreneur? Or who is an entrepreneur? Or maybe from a skill set standpoint, from a, uh, you know, character, personality standpoint, who is an entrepreneur?
1: Uh, I think as someone who's not scared of failure Um, and I know this is very simple but that's how I put it I feel like the I've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs and have been lucky to be surrounded by a lot of entrepreneurs I think that you can't be scared of failure I think we all make mistakes Um, we all have we always experiment like that's the beauty of working in a startup where you have a hypothesis you test it you'll fail and you'll build something off it right so I think not being scared of failure, and that kind of has repercussions even on your team, right? Because if you create this environment where people are not scared to fail, people will take risks, and some of those risks will have very high payoffs, right? So I genuinely think it's someone who, like who's not scared of failure, and I've tried to imbibe that myself. It, it's uh, you know, I I think I'm not scared of failing, and I'm not i don't think twice before attempting something brave sometimes you know it's also a little stupid but yeah i i, I think it's someone who's not scared of failure uh
0: you know this is one of the you know uh, common answers a lot of entrepreneurs give uh, the courage and you know risk taking ability this is what, what is the most crucial uh, skill set if you will uh, for an uh, entrepreneur uh, having said that just uh, last question for you what is uh, or maybe what is the biggest lesson that you have learned during an entrepreneur uh, your entrepreneurial journey uh, which others can take away and probably apply to their ventures
1: yeah I think uh, I think for me personally it's to build something of value I think that um, you know Building something that you can see the immediate impact of in the world around you, I think, uh, has there's no satisfaction like that, right? So I think whether you're building something, you're part of a team that's building something or you're planning to join a startup or any big company for that matter, right? You can be entrepreneurial even in a big company actually. But um, I think it's building something of value. I think it's, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it becomes a lot more fun and it has a lot more meaning. And then even if you fail or you have setbacks or which you will, uh, or you have great successes, you know that you've created this impact in the world. So I think that's been uh, a lesson for me. And that's my guiding principle. Like when I'm choosing what to work on or I'm choosing which startup, to, what to start or, you know, which startup to even advice, I'm always trying to find ideas where I can add, uh, you know, it's creating some value or some impact in the lives of people around me.
0: Got you. Uh, on this note, we are at the end of the session. Thanks, uh, Deval, for joining. And it was a pleasure to have you on our platform.
1: Thanks so much for having me. Really great talking to you. And thanks for doing what you're doing. I think you're inspiring entrepreneurs in India and the world over, which is amazing. We need more more entrepreneurs in the world solving some of, the, some of our biggest problems.
0: My pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, thank you, Deval. Have a good day.
1: So, thanks.